0: Well, just recently we uh, were reading in, in in getting God's thoughts in in the book of Nahum, and uh, I posted some of that. I posted it. It was a rather long one today, because I haven't posted recently. But I I posted that as God was through that very little known prophet and and many uh, and, and many of the. Uh, different books and Bibles and so forth, they call him, he's one of the minor prophets. I don't think there's any, anyone who's minor that God flows through. But anyways, uh, uh, Nahum, he was a prophet and, and, and he was a Jew. He was a Jew, had, had loving, comforting Hebrew parents. And like many believe, when you study the depth of this particular uh, book of Nahum, you realize that he was taken captive and he was in exile in Assyria, and that's where he was. And uh, he was in the midst, like we are right now, and that's why Jesus said in John 17 and verse 14, I am in the world, but I am not of the world, meaning everything about him had nothing to do with this world system, Uh, that he, he, as a human being, impeccable humanity, but as a human being, Walked and went through in great suffering and pain that we can't even imagine, but that he walked through it, and he. That's why he said, "I'm not of this world." In John 17 verse 14, and he said that us in him, those that are of him, meaning everything about us is constituted of him, has nothing to do with the world, and he said neither are they of the world. In John 17, and verse 16. And he made that very clear for us. But like Nahum, Nahum again, he was taken captive. And in a sense, it's almost like he he, he was born in captivity in the sense that we, in Psalm 51 and verse five, that we were born with this old sin nature. And in that sense, we were held captive until we received Christ as our savior. And he instantly began to comfort us uh, with his love. Even Nahum's name, his name in the Hebrew means consolation or one who was a comforter, himself comforted by the love of God for him, and in that sense, the love of God for God's people that he was one with. Anyway, he was taken captive. And like us in this world system, like we are right now in our country, seeing the things, he at that time was, was in the midst as a stranger and an alien. And that's why 1 Peter 2.11 says that we are strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through this world system. We're not settling down. We, in Hebrews 13 and verse 14, seek a different city. A city in heaven where Christ is, where nothing there ever again will ever disturb or distract us in any sense, from the comfort of his love. Just think about that. We're headed to an eternity with him. And yes, we're passing through pain and suffering, not only our own, but what we see about others. Our own, our own uh, beloved body of Christ in different countries that are being tortured and held captive and living in intense bondage. And, uh, but we're all passing through on our way to be comforted by a love that will never again, anything ever be allowed to disturb or distract us. But yet we're learning to be comforted. And God, as we see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6, we are not, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable in this world system, never. God never comforts us to make us comfortable and be a part of this evil world system Matter of fact, in Exodus 11, verse 7, God always put a difference between Israel and Egypt. There was always a difference, a major, major, major difference. That's why it says in 1 Kings 18, 21, Whoever is on the Lord's side, let him be on the Lord's side. And he that is not, let him be not. Jesus said in Matthew 12, and verse 30, And in Mark 9, verse 40, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not scatters abroad. Made that clear. But Nahum here, he was in Assyria amidst some of the most horrifying things that he saw and that he heard of the evil and oppression of those that were his hated, hated enemies. And he saw this. And In that sense, for us, the whole time Jesus walked the face of the earth, even from the time that he was born and the scriptures bear it out, especially in the synoptics of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, even from the time he was born, and you can see it even in the first two chapters and three of uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke, you could see how he was hated, how, how Jesus himself born in the virgin in Luke 1 verse 35 born in Nazareth brought up there and uh, how he was hated even at birth and how Satan rose tried to raise up Herod to have him killed all the children two years and under because he was the spirit of the world he was so hated yeah the hatred and everything that he passed through. That's, what Je- that's why Jesus said in John 15 and verse 18, he said, if, if the world hate you, you know it hated me first. If it hated you, it's gonna hate me. And the world hates you and I. And it does so in John 15 and t- verse 25, in Psalm 69 and verse four, and in Psalm 109 verses four and five, hates us without a cause. There's no cause for the hatred. No cause. But that we, like Jesus, are passing through the evil, but we see the evil and oppression that is all around us. It's all around us. Yet, He always comforts us in the midst of our suffering. Not to make us comfortable and settle down in this world, again, as we said in 2nd. Corinthians chapter 1, in verses 3 through 6, not to settle down in this world, but to make us comforters, as he's comforted us in the midst of our suffering, to make us comforters of all those that are his. Nahum was given a message, and it is amazing, and we can see it. I see it in our country. I see it in my own life, and I see it in our country. The unbelievable patience, and long-suffering of God's love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, his love is long-suffering. His love, and in that love, there comes a warning of judgment for those that are in evil and of it, but a comfort of his love for those that are his. He always comforts us. Every single time, we can fly to him immediately and be so comforted. And uh, what, what patience he has, the patience of his love. That's what Paul was saying instantly when he received Christ. It's instantly in Acts, the ninth chapter. We see in those first six verses, immediately when he received Christ, instantly he was hated by the world. They instantly, the religious crowd of the world, under the influence of the evil one, Satan, sought to kill him instantly. And... God protected him through all his suffering. Yes, he had to pass through suffering, just like Christ did, but on our way to a glory and a comfort of love that nothing will ever again interfere with uh, that love that we are to constantly receive and nothing to ever distract our attention away from it. God would have us and to be comforters, and what in in the comfort of his love, what do we do? We warn those, that's what Paul was saying in Colossians chapter one, and verse 27, he's bringing out the reality that we're on our way to the hope of glory, a guaranteed, we're passing through suffering, and what are a handful of years compared to the eternity of a comfort of love that nothing will ever again disturb or distract? We have that guaranteed in Colossians 1.27. And that's why Paul said he warns every man. He warns Christians. He does. Not that he will judge us, but that there's nothing in this world. In 1 John 2.15, love not the world. He's speaking to us as his own. Like the apostle of love, John spoke to those that were there, those little ones, those babes, those young men and spiritual dads in 1 John two. 12 to 14, he said, love not the world in verse 15, neither the things that are of the world. If any man love the world, any man, even a Christian, the love of the Father is not flowing in his experience or her experience. The enemy wants us to be so overwhelmed with evil to the forgetting of the comfort of God's love and his goodness. Romans 12 verse 21 makes it very clear, be not overcome of evil. We shared recently how so many Christians it can get oh, so overwhelmed when they look at the political scene. And that is a reality, but it's a spiritual issue being manifested through the policies of the world. We're not, a po- uh, politics, and even in politics speaks of being a citizen of the world. We're not a citizen of the world, we're not. We, we aren't, you know, we don't have our citizenship here. Our citizenship is is in heaven. We see that in Philippians 3.20. We see it very clear as we wait to get our bodies in 321, our glorified bodies. But for now we pass through suffering. And just think of the depth of fellowship and intimacy and comfort that is that is garnered and given to us of God. Literally. It's a badge of promotion. But we're not to be overcome with evil. We see it, we understand it. And in a way, it just just brings us in that sense of suffering and pain for ourselves and for others, but God uses that to bring us right to the comfort of his love. He wants to make us comforters. You know how we need to be one together and not to escape being one with each other and then hide or escape into the world and into the world system. But He's given us each other as comforters of that love that we should always be towards each other. And that's why in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, we're to walk as children of love and to walk just like Jesus did and abide in Him. In 1 John 2, verse 6, and, and, and abide in the comfort of His love so that even though we are in evil, we don't become in our experience, of it, in the sense of it just causing harm to us. And that's why it says in Romans 16, in verse 19, I would have you wise. He said, your obedience has come abroad to everyone. Meaning our obedience, and our obedience is just simply returning the love that God has loved us with and comforted us with and returning it to him. It becomes a testimony to all around us, to believers and even the unsaved. But then he said in that, Romans 16, verse 19, I would have you wise unto good, walking in the wisdom and goodness and comfort of God's love and being harmless with evil. Being harmless with evil. God has measured out every every single ounce, every single particle of our suffering, but he never measured it outside the comfort of his love. Never and he's given us this word. And so there, we're, we are like Nahum, only we have so far much more, being the very body bride and church of Christ himself. We are his body, Ephesians 5.30. If we're his body, did he suffer? Did he experience pain? Did he, did he see evil? Did it have an effect on him? It did, but it drove him to his father, as we see in Matthew 11:27 to right through to verse 30 and we can yoke up with him and learn of him. Just think of the lessons that we learn in sufferings, the sufferings of failure of sin. Thank God we're not that, but we can learn from it and mistakes that we make in ignorance And, and, and just be thankful of being yoked up to Christ where all of God's goodness and comfort of his love flows. And constantly, when we see that, When we see our position here on this earth, we're in this world, but we're not of it. Not a single thing about us is of it. And that's why we can read the beauty of this in Romans, the fifth chapter. We can see it, Romans 5 and and verse 1. It says, therefore being justified by faith. We are cleared of all guilt and condemnation. So listen to this. Just listen to the word. Listen to it. And listen to God's counsel to us this morning and let it go in deep and let us not be uh, distracted by a single thing, but just concentrate that we are, our very being is one of guilt-free because we have dependence on him. And when we do, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by whom? Also, we have access by this dependence into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but listen, we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulation, the sufferings of being one in Christ in this evil world system works patience. Works in what? The comfort of his love. Because he's long-suffering. God, love, who God is in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, and in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, suffers long. It endures. It endures, you see. And so, tribulation works for us in the comfort of his love. Patience. Patience. We don't get overwhelmed. The suffering doesn't overwhelm us, it just leads us to him who has overwhelmed us and made us, in the comfort of his love, in Romans 8, 37, more than conquerors. More than that. And so we see then that in patience, in Romans 5, verse 4, patience, experience. What do we experience? And experience what hope? The guarantee of our eternity where we're passing through this suffering. There's going to be an end of it. There is. But for now, we're to be occupied with him. And patience, love, and hope, this guarantee that's ours in Christ, again, based on Colossians 1 and verse 27, based upon that very thing, that very thing, the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. He's constantly giving himself to us. And we can be very thankful. And Nahum, yes, Nahum. Nahum's message was one of warning and judgment coming speedily to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and it happened. They were, Nineveh at that time was very rich. Very rich. But they were hard oppressors adversaries of God's people as they themselves, those oppressors, lived in luxury. <laughs> oh my God, and God forbid that we as Christians should think that God would comfort us so that we could live in the luxury of the world. We're just passing through here. This world and these the things of the world are not to be our occupation. Yes, God may bless us with certain things, and of course, that was a true prayer. That was the true prayer. We see the true prayer that uh, God gave the beloved uh, apostle John, the one who laid his head on Jesus' breast in John 13 and verse 23. But we see here, 3 John 2, he said, He said, Beloved, I, I, I wish, I truly wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Be in health. Listen, not just physical health. What's more important to us in God's eyes? And God will use physical health to teach us spiritual health and realities and to make us more conscious, more conscious. And he's with us in these physical ailments and these things. But with that, those physical ailments and the sufferings that they come, to teach us to rely on him and not the world and to be his own, but I, but I truly wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, spiritual health too, even as your soul prospers. You see that? The soul prospering. And then he said, for I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, and boy we have it in Christ, as you walk in the truth. And this is what he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk. In truth. The truth that Christ is himself in John 14:6, in us. The truth where he said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And that's why Christ, even Himself, in John 17 and verse 19, sanctified himself, set himself apart for his father. Always did those things in John 8:29 and Romans 15:3 that pleased his father. And so Nahum. He saw and he heard and he felt the cruel oppression, tortures and the evil of these, the evil world system. The evil world system that tries to make luxury and material things just like we see the world system and how it was established in Genesis the fourth chapter starting in verse 16 all the way to the end of the chapter. The luxury to live in luxury for a time, and to not think about eternal realities, but to get caught up and settle down in the world and in the world system, and make every single thing about me and what I can bring to myself with these material things and do my best to escape any form of suffering. But persecution is a badge of promotion. 2 Timothy 3.12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus in this world system will suffer persecution. But just like Moses in, in Hebrews 11, 23 to 26, he refused to be called the child of a son of Pharaoh's daughter, refused it. He refused everything about this world and he esteemed the reproaches, the hatred, and persecution of Christ, greater riches than all the luxury of that satanic world system that Egypt could give him. And Egypt is a type of the world system. And this is what Nahum was, he was in the midst of that. But yet in the midst of all of that, his message to God's people is, listen, your enemies are on their way to a perdition and judgment in hell and in a lake of fire forever, as much as many don't want to make hell forever. And that again is brought out in Philippians chapter one and verse 28. It's a token. The warning is, is the warning for us today is against God's enemies. They're going to be judged and God's always been faithful to do that. We see it all through the scriptures, but he's to comfort us. The message is God's enemies are are already judged, and the sentence is going to be carried out like it was in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. So he warns the evil, those that are functioning of it, of impending judgment that's going to come. He is not, in 2 Peter 3, 9, not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance and receive Christ. And I'm thankful for every man of God and woman that tells others about Christ. And even though we we at times we fail and you know we we do that and, and we sin and, and we make mistakes and sin, and but we confess it and go on being comforted by him and being a comforter of others that suffer. Thank God that we can suffer righteously. We see that. See it, watch it. Even in Jesus, when Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in the fourth verse, all the way to the twelfth verse, that beautiful progression of the life that's his in us and how we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. And even the physical sufferings that we have is of his love, a yoke that keeps us yoked up to him because otherwise we wouldn't be. That's why we have them. They're a constant reminder for the believer of his love for us. And that's what we need. We need that yoke in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, so that we can be comforted and rest in the comfort of his love. And that's what Jesus said when he told his disciples in that beautiful picture in John the 13th chapter. He said, having loved his own, he loved them even unto the end. And the end is our eternal beginning in him. Once, once we, he takes us out of time, and thank God we don't have to live in time. We can live in time, but not be of it, because we have the eternal life that Christ is in us. In First John 5:11, this is, and we have again so much more than Nahum. But the message that the message that God gave to Nahum again was one of warning, wrath, and justice coming and yet the comfort of his love. And they are never inconsistent with each other, by the way. They are both of his nature. Psalm 97, uh, verse 10, all you that love God hate evil. Very, very simple. Uh, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There's no evil, of course, and none to be attributed to God like some would do so. There is no evil. And to make God some monster, But the fire of the jealousy of his holiness is even that purity. It is. And his wrath is never inconsistent with his love. With his love. Ever. And as long as God's ever been, he's known about evil. He's known about it. But... God's plan in Psalm 32, in verse 4, his way and his plan, and in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, I should say, is perfect. It's complete in itself. And he knows what he's doing. And we don't have to question God in doubt. We just have to submit to his word. And even the things that seem to be so hard and things that we don't understand, we do know that he does know all things. In 1 John three twenty, he knows all things. And when I trust him, And what I can't even understand, I mean, how do we to understand in areas where people could be so evil and do such evil things to each other and to other people? How can we, how do we even, we can't even comprehend it in that way. And the only way to be able to not be overcome with it is to be overcome with the goodness of the comfort of his love. We're passing through here. And so God gives us a warning And he'll use the word in us and give us opportunity to warn others of the impending wrath of God in John 3, verse 36. Wrath that won't be yours by receiving Christ, the very comfort of God's love. There'll be no wrath for us in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. And I wish that sweet men of God, I know they're born again, that now believe they have to go through the tribulation period when the bible makes it crystal clear that is not to happen for us it's not for us it's for jacob's trouble in jeremiah 30 and verse 7 and jacob's trouble is we know very very clearly based upon the scriptures in genesis 32 we see it very clearly that, that uh, jacob got a new name and it was called israel one who rules with prince of, uh, as a prince with god it's for, the tribulation period is for the reason of God in finality, dealing and doing away with Israel's enemies, the tribulation period. All our enemies are already dealt with. That's why the Holy Spirit, through the apostle Paul, said in Romans 8, verse 37, we're already more than conquerors in him. He's conquered everything. Read it in Romans 8, 31 to 39. He's already overcome that. All our enemies, but he will. Our our spiritual enemies, our heavenly enemies in Ephesians 6, verse 12. He's already dealt with that. But he will deal with Israel's earthly enemies. Ultimately, we see in Revelations, the 19th chapter, after then setting up the millennial reign in Revelations 20, 1 through 4. We see it crystal clear in the Scriptures, the clarity of the Scriptures. But for us, we're, we're already more than conquerors. We're already more and conquer And God has given us this privilege how to suffer right the right way with him. And the only way is with the comfort of his love. But would we even be desirous of the comfort of his love if we didn't suffer? That's why God gave, gave Paul the thorn in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Because he'll give us these godly and beautiful revelations of the truth that we have but without the thorns, without the sufferings that keep us close to him, we would leave him in a heartbeat. And so God is warning, just like he did in Nahum as we close, just like he did through the prophet Nahum. He was warning He was warning those that were evil that they're coming, there's coming a judgment for them. And without Christ, it would be in eternity, in hell, and ultimately in the lake of fire. We see that in Revelations 20, 10 to 15, the lake of fire. Hell hell and death are cast into the lake of fire. Okay, Hell and death. Hell is where the spirit and soul goes after death. And, And death is always, mean the meaning is always separation. So the spirit and soul separate and either go back to God in Ecclesiastes 12, 6 and 7, or it goes to hell. And then, the body obviously is in death, and death just means separation, it's never extinction or annihilation. God forbid we should ever believe the lies of those, that kind of teaching. That and the body goes back to the grave. And thank God we get brand new bodies, not the old ones that are in the grave, but those that aren't. Uh, the dead, small and great, in Revelations 20, 10 and 11, stand before him. Stand before him. And hell and death are reunited, meaning they're reunited with their old decrepit bodies. And they will suffer in hell where the worm dies not, never dies in Isaiah 66 and verse 24 and it's brought out in Mark the 8th chapter in verses 44, 46, and 48. The worm that dies not is the conscience that will constantly for all eternity condemn them because they have to look at Jesus Christ, want the love of God flowing through Christ, and yet that will be one of the greatest pains in hell, the memory forever of rejecting a beautiful Christ. So he warns us, like he did through the apostle Nahum, like God has so beautifully through our apostle, and our apostle as the church, the bride, the body of Christ, is the apostle Paul. the apostle of the heavenly truths, not earthly truths, heavenly. And there's a major difference. But he warns. He warns and he's given us the message to go. And to go. And to say to the world, as we close this morning, to say to the world, and not be overwhelmed and occupied with anything other than Christ. That's why it says, In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit, to understand that God was in Christ, reconciling, listen to this, listen folks, pay attention, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, putting to their account their trespasses unto them, and has committed, has has put us, and given us the word of reconciliation. So for now, who are we? Like Nahum, in that sense, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech and warn impending judgment and wrath of God outside of Christ. To beseech you by us, we beseech you in Christ's stead, in his place, as we suffer for him and with him, we beseech you, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. That's a warning. We all have that. And measure as God leads us in his peace and grace and comfort of his love to speak to others to take every opportunity to warn others. But also God uses that same word to warn Christians not to function in the world, not to settle down and make everything about their lives, this world and all their details. And let us consider Christ who suffered so far and great, so greater and further than we could even imagine. And let us be as as our sufferings and boy, we do need them, we do. Because we would not find our need experientially met in Christ in Philippians four nineteen without him. But even in the midst of our sufferings, I can do all things through Christ, which makes me dynamite and mighty. We don't want to be weak. You know, God dealt with all of our sins. He, he crucified the old nature in Romans 6, one through six. He paid for all of our sins. Literally, all our sins and 1 John 2, 1 and 2, he paid for them all. One thing he never took away from us, number one, free will, number two, weakness. We're weak. But when I'm weak, Paul said, when I'm suffering, whether it's physical and even even much more, whether it's spiritual, suffering, being persecuted, when I'm weak, when I'm weak, then I'm what? I am strong in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. And let the weak say through everything in Joel 3.10, I am strong in the comfort of his love. He's comforting us on on our journey as we pass through this wilderness on our way to our promised land. You know, all the promises of God in 2 Corinthians 1.20 are where all... His completed love for us flows through Jesus Christ. Even the warnings and even the comfort all have to do with the God of promise, and they're all in Christ. Because Christ, there is no judgment for us, but in John 5, 22, there will be judgment, and that judgment all unbelievers will see in Revelations again, 20, 10 to 15, when they face Christ, face him. But for now, folks, so now we're passing through a time of suffering. And hopefully, the time that we suffer is righteous suffering and not suffering as a consequence of sin, even though God will use that to warn us continually that our everything is only in Him who we're to be occupied with in Luke 19 13 while we're on our way, while He's with us, while Christ. In Romans 8, verse 34, is interceding for us. In Hebrews 7, 25, and in Hebrews nine twenty-six, he's interceding for us as comforting us in that intercession. While we have the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, verse 26 in us. And he groans. He understands the Holy Spirit, understands our groanings of physical pain, physical suffering, and physical and spiritual suffering. He understands. And when we can't even pray because we're in the midst and surrounded by such evil, in it, but not of it, but surrounded by it, we have God, the Holy Spirit in us, who takes our groans and we can't even articulate in words what we're going through, the depth of it. He takes it and brings it far further than we ever could even in our own prayer life. And he brings it to him, Christ, who knows our sufferings. He knows us. And listen, he knows us in it, and he knows us in the comfort of his love and the promise that soon, soon we will be with him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, face to face for an eternity where there will be no more suffering, no more sight, just be all, there'll be no more dependence in faith, and it'll just be all the sight and beauty of an exchange of a love life that nothing will ever disturb or distract us ever again. We're on our way. We need to comfort each other and love each other in John 13, 34, and 35. So Father, we thank you this morning for your precious word. Thank you for your comfort, the comfort of your love. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.